0: Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Cole. Welcome to this episode of Healing the Spirit. I am so excited that you're here and I'm beyond honored that you are um, tuning into this podcast and this conversation. Um, this is a really special conversation that I had with a friend, a teacher, someone I admire deeply within the community. It's none other than Jeff Hinshaw. You may know Jeff from Jeff's podcast, Cosmic Cousins, which in many ways, at least for me, really paved the way of, um, you know, in this community of spiritual practitioners, astrologers, tarot readers, I think Jeff is truly a unique voice. Jeff shows up with um, so much heart, so much integrity, and... Um, yeah really balances this intellectual curiosity and an honoring of our wholeness as a human being and the ways that we live in a body the ways that we have emotions the ways that we have spirit i think jeff really has a way to gently invite us to um to really honor all parts of us and i i think that what's so unique about jeff and jeff's offering and jeff's presence is that they really embody all of these qualities that it's not just through the verbal transmissions which are brilliant but also through the energy that jeff is um showing up in and and that's truly um special so it feels so mm, I feel so honored to be in Jeff's presence and to be sharing this conversation with you. When I tuned in to this conversation and, and what wanted to be spoken, what wanted to be said, um, discussed in the space between me and Jeff, I was really feeling the energy of Virgo and Pisces. And so I thought it would be fun for the two of us to talk about the idea of devotion And what I think is really cool about this conversation is that, yes, we spoke to the idea of devotion, but it also is not limited to the Virgo kind of devotion. We also um, had an expansive conversation around Scorpio and Sagittarius. We spoke about religious trauma. We spoke about how astrology and tarot provide pathways for people who may feel like they are not fully accepted as their whole selves in the religion or the spiritual background that they came from. We spoke about Jupiter and Saturn, um, how Jeff has been spending this year of Jupiter in Pisces, which Um, will be coming to an end soon for all of us. Um, We spoke about how Saturn has been transiting through Jeff's first house because Jeff is an Aquarius rising. And, of course, we spoke about uh, the archetype, the energy of Vesta, Um, which, you know, if we want to talk about devotion, it's not going to be a complete conversation without Vesta. So let me introduce you to Jeff by way of their bio. Jeff Hinshaw is an intuitive practitioner fusing together over a decade of experience working with tarot, astrology, and somatic healing. Jeff's practice is grounded in reverence for the elements, nature, the earth, and spirit. Jeff offers their unique expertise of ritual, tarot, and astrology to guide others on journeys of self-exploration, transformation, and healing. Jeff is the host of the podcast Cosmic Cousins. Released on the new and full moon, each episode facilitates a deeper connection to the moon and the current astrological transits. Jeff is also the founder of the Brooklyn Fools Tarot Journey, a 22-week ritual gathering through the major arcana of the tarot. Dubbed as Radical Tarot School by National Geographic, the Brooklyn Fool's Tarot Journey has been an active tarot community since 2014. Jeff's teachings of the tarot go hand-in-hand with their astrological practice. Jeff is also passionate about upgrading archetypes to facilitate collective intention. Jeff has achieved this through community projects like Zodiac Queens, as well as authoring the book Aries published through Sterling Publishing House. In addition, Jeff identifies as gay, non-binary, and queer, and has experience working with many LGBTQIA-plus related issues. Jeff is located in the Pacific Northwest, the traditional village sites of the Multnomah, Wasco, and Cowlitz tribes. Alright, I'm excited to get you into this conversation. So here's my conversation with Jeff Hinshaw. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Uh, this has been such a dream, honestly, to have you. Um, I don't even remember how you and I met. I believe that maybe it's through Britton LaRue, who once told me about your work and uh, spoke glowingly about your work. And then I have just remembered like, following your work for the longest time through your podcast and then um i believe we i started signing up for some of your classes we had a reading um i was on your podcast so it feels like we've kind of been cousins for some time although maybe we haven't had that much one-on-one time yeah
1: yeah i love that you're saying cousins Mm -hmm. you know because that's like a nod to my offering, Cosmic Cousins. Exactly. (laughs) Which is, that name came from, I don't have any cousins. I have a really small family, Mm -hmm. and I don't don't have the ability to really connect with my family through any kind of spiritual practice. And so that was kind of a call out to the community and to Mm -hmm. the universe to connect with other like-minded people. Yeah use these cosmic tools to make sense of their life and Mm -hmm. to connect them to their heart, their devotion.
0: I love that, I love that. I also feel like your offerings have this way of really gently inviting people back to themselves, but also there's a way in which you speak in your podcast or in your offerings that always makes me feel like I'm part of a larger community, even though I don't see those people, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And before we started the call, I asked you where you were recording and you said you're in like the living area of where the place that you live and I'm in my living room too. Mm. And I just, even though we are on opposite sides of this country, we have this opportunity to sit and I'm feeling like we're in a living room together yeah. Having tea and, yeah. yeah, feel connected to you. We talked about a year ago. Had you that's and true. On the podcast.
0: That's yeah. true. That was for Libra Seasons. That was almost mm-hmm. exact. That's a year plus ago. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we
1: listened to some of your music.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, So I always like to begin my conversations with um, this question of, Who do you feel, sense, or know yourself to be in this present moment? There's been a
1: relearning of that and Mm. a reevaluation of that over this past year as the transit that I'm connecting it to is Jupiter and Pisces and entering Jupiter and Aries and then going back into Jupiter and Pisces. So there's this expanse around all of the accrued wisdom that we've gained over the last 12 to 13 years, while at the same time feeling on the threshold of new beginnings.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm giving myself permission these last two months of 2022 to be in that Jupiter and Pisces energy of reflecting on it all and Mm -hmm. what the past 12 years have meant to me Mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm not in the I am of Aries quite yet. So when you ask that question, I'm allowing myself to to be messy. I'm mm. allowing myself to be in the unknown of of who I am. Mm. And I think part of that I started this year while Jupiter was in Pisces of gifting myself extra space to be in the unknown whether it was through Me taking a break from social media for most of the year, Um, not holding space for groups
0: Mm. as a teacher, Mm -hmm.
1: switching more to one-on-one work so I could really be in that space of connecting to spirit and to the unknown and to what wants to come through.
0: Mm. And so
1: I don't even really fully know how to answer that question in this moment um, because it it hasn't been born yet. The, the new version of me hasn't been born yet, but I will say that I've, I've been, the things that stay true to me, there's always a thread, an essence that weaves together the past with the present and the future self. And I think our birth charts can really speak to that thread. Mm. And um, I still have my my daily practices with tarot and astrology. That's something that always is a thread in my life. Mm -hmm. yeah but things are shaping and and informing in new ways i feel that with my offerings in the world i also feel it in my relationships with myself and with other people Mm -hmm. it just feels like a a big evolution time growth um and so gathering with you right now feels really special we're Mm -hmm. actually recording on 11 11 22. That's right. Yeah, this is kind of like a magical day.
0: It is, it feels magical. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I don't even know if I fully answered your question, but that's what I brought up for me when you mm-hmm. asked it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love um, speaking to people when they're in liminal spaces for conversations or for readings. I feel like that's such a rich and fertile place. And it's also interesting because I noticed that there are many different responses that are possible when we're in that liminal space. Like sometimes we feel ourselves in that liminal space and yet really exuberantly joyous about being in a liminal space. And then other times it's more confusing or um, can feel downright sad. But I really, um, it makes me wonder how you've been feeling with those changes it's very noticeable jeff because i remember the very first time i connected with your work um there was something so um the word that's coming to my mind is you were like a it it was like fireworks You know, you were um, on Instagram, you were on your podcast, like there were all these different ways to um, enjoy your work. And it felt like this exuberant outward energy, like there's definitely that Aquarius sun kind of like, you know gentle invitation but still you were ubiquitous in a way and then when you decided or you announced that you um were going to pull back from instagram i really felt that actually i found myself um and you know not surprisingly during new and full moons um just kind of thinking oh what's jeff doing And then remembering, oh, yeah, you have a podcast. And I would go to your podcast and listen to your podcast. But it was really interesting to kind of notice your absence because you're such a felt presence, I feel, in my social media feed. And I always receive your work with um, so much gratitude. So, yeah, I guess my question really is around how do you how has it felt to be more in that liminal internal space? Yeah, so when i when you're talking about all of that and it's cool to hear the
1: reflection mm. and i think you used the word fireworks or something which is kind of cool um that made me think of so Aqu- i'm aquarius but my ruling planets are both in sagittarius so mm. saturn and uranus are in sag and when you said fireworks it made me think of that and they're in they're in my 11th house cool uh, yeah so um but in tandem with this kind of Jupiter and Pisces, liminal space. We've also had Saturn and Aquarius Mm. uh, since 2020. And for me as an Aquarius rising with sun and Aquarius, this has been an initiation of Saturn in my life. And so um, a part of me pulling back from things like social media, um, there's so many reasons, but some of it is like from a very practical standpoint of me needing to figure out ways to make money to support myself and noticing that social media can also be an energetic leak at times. Mm. And the things that drew me to social media was never the money. It was always the genuine connection to community. Mm -hmm. And it, I do think that Saturn can bring with it some sadness too, because it's like, well, I want to be connecting with the community all the time. But at the same time, I also Things that I've been learning while Saturn's been transiting my first house is, you know, how to get health insurance, Mm. how to raise a dog, um, you know, learning what it means to be on my own completely uh, living in a new city Mm. where I have no family here and feeling the need to have a bigger space to live in to support the work that I'm doing like no longer do I have roommates and these sort of things and uh, having an office and like all these like very practical things that I've just been setting up in my life. Mm. And I don't really love it. It's not like the most fun energy to be in, but it does feel necessary Mm. to have this moment in time for myself. And so I have been, I actually, you know, something else that I do regularly in my practices is I make sure that I'm gifting myself sessions with other practitioners, mm-hmm. um, to just have support. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a reading this week in Akashic records reading and what came through was redefining my definition of commitment mm-hmm. and, um, the things that are coming through is can I still stay committed to something while also being messy, and Mm -hmm. joyful and radiant that Mm -hmm. this kind of saturnian commitment doesn't have to feel like hard work and i think that that's something that you know i'm always wanting to do is like look at how our culture our like capitalist colonizing white supremacist culture puts these sort of expectations on us to um, always be producing and working hard, and so I've been also finding space to take rest. So when I feel that I need to take a break from podcasting or social media, that's okay for me to do, mm-hmm. and that's part of this work. Being a someone who is a practitioner of esoteric and occult practices it doesn't necessarily fit into the mold of what our society tells us we need to do in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's an intuitive practice. So it's an intuitive approach and process to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I do, I do long to continue to connect to communities in ways that feel healthy And I also think some of the break from social media was out of a retaliation against the very corporate feel that it has now with sponsored ads being put in your face at all times. And honestly, every time I get on there, I do end up spending money. Mm. And I, yes, I'm supporting other practitioners and artists and things like that. I choose who I'm following, but Mm. it's very Uranus and Taurus actually. I'm like, oh, I just bought a new breathwork session with this person or just bought art from this person. So I have to be mindful in my approach to it. Um, And I think that that is that whole Saturn-Uranus square uh, that's been taking place. I've just been feeling very personally because I have fixed placements.
0: Mm. Mm. Wow, I really felt that. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. There is a way in which it's consistently about, I don't know. Like there's almost, um, I've been kind of toying with human design a little bit, and it's it's interesting to be thinking about how, for myself as a generator, I do respond to the stimuli of the environment around me, and so Mm -hmm. if I'm consistently being sold to, then I'm consistently buying, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of it. It makes a lot of sense and. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm curious to hear a little bit as, as much or as little you want to share about your journey, actually, like if we take if we zoom out a little bit, and um, I'm I'm curious to hear about your path so far, how you came to this space of being an intuitive practitioner one of the things i love about you is how beautifully you blend your astrological and your tarot practice and that also i'm aware that you came from um, a background of yoga and that you Mm. brought this embodiment and ritual piece into your work as well which as someone who's joined some of your classes felt really i really feel that deeply i feel that that piece was what really makes your offering like a jeff offering you know
1: yeah Mm. yeah thanks for saying that um i think even before the yoga piece my mind's kind of going to scorpio first and then there's Mm. an evolution from scorpio through sagittarius to the capricorn and aquarius like that part of the wheel um but you know, part of the Pluto and Scorpio generation. Um, And that placement in my chart is just like, I'm still learning what it means, particularly now as a South nodes in Scorpio. Uh, But they're my background. Like I come from a family that actually like, as all families, we have our trauma Mm. and their secrets within the family. And, um, You know someone as the only person in my family in the pluto and scorpio generation because my brother happens to be in the pluto and libra generation um i found myself as the one that was kind of like the therapist in the family from a young age and people would tell me things and there's things i found out and like just like holding on to secrets within the family Mm. Um, and secrets within the family create an atmosphere for shame and um, if we can't talk about the things underneath the surface, then in our own life, we start to seek out healing for transformation. And so things that I experienced early on in my life that, that are related to a lot of Scorpio themes led me to being on a path of asking deeper questions. Mm. Um, and so I put on Scorpio in the ninth house. Um, with the Scorpio midheaven, so my I have I have come into more of the conscious awareness of why I've been drawn to practices like tarot and astrology, mm-hmm. and it's to offer me vocabulary and healing around the intergenerational trauma that's been passed down through my family. With you know, I come from a family with a lot of addiction and um, not talking things through and. Um, in some ways, spiritually bypassing through religion and things mm. like that, and so mm-hmm. that's like where the journey kind of began for me, and why I was drawn to these practices. Um, but we don't stay in Scorpio forever. Sagittarius mm. comes next, and so, and I actually have more Sagittarius in my chart than Scorpio, and so, then that pursuit of leaving home was really strong in me, you know, mm. um, and moving to New York City and. You know, I originally moved there for um, right after I did yoga teacher training in North Carolina. And so yoga teacher training to me feels very Sagittarian and uh, its approach. It's a practice from another part of the world. It's fiery. You're moving your body. You're chanting these sort of things. And so I was just drawn to these practices that took me out of the deep well of the Scorpio energy and the things that I had been holding on onto for people, you know, keeping other people's secrets and mm. holding space for their trauma when they're not willing to go in there mm-hmm. but that sagittarius wants to burn through that karma through expanding the horizons of one's world and so that's what I did I after as soon as I did the yoga teacher training i just moved to new york city and i kind of think back to that person and i have i have really no idea like what i was thinking I had no, I had no plan put in place at all. I just did it, and I did whatever I could do because I knew mm. that environment of living in the south was not supportive for me. Mm-hmm. And if I had stayed there, I think I would have probably continued to go to the psych ward and continue to be on lorazepam and clonopins, and you know, just like whatever they can do to like keep me at bay because I was mm. expansive. I was firework like yeah. So I. Yeah. And then I, everything just kind of unlocked when I was in New York because I got to meet people from around the world mm. that were teaching me other perspectives. My time there felt very Sagittarian, actually. Wow. Um, became a teacher, yoga teacher, tarot teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was just having a really good time while doing it, too. Um, and then that eventually turns into well how am i going to make a life for myself capricorn you know so i mean i could continue to follow the wheel but um yeah i think it's always nice to and i think this this time of year right now we have a lot i don't know when you're going to be publishing this episode but there's a grand water trine right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's a lot of scorpio placements there's some asteroid energy in cancer and we have the major outer planets we have jupiter and then neptune and pisces so Mm -hmm. i've just been really in this place of reflecting on it all and oh that's why i'm drawn to these practices i'm Mm -hmm. becoming more psychologically aware of my own patterns at this time wow um yeah i'll pause there i i could keep going but i'm just curious what you might want to say now
0: (laughs) i mean it's it's fascinating because i do notice myself being really drawn to a lot of astrologers who either grew up or is based um, in the South and who had some sort of tie to some sort of religious upbringing or at least a backdrop of religious upbringing. And I think it's so fascinating because there's a lot of that religious programming in my upbringing. And it is fascinating to me to personally for me when I found my akashic practice it was kind of it shifted a lot of things for me and it it kind of brought everything together and i realized that it is about having this devotional practice and having a relationship cultivating tools and skills to connect with the numinous mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like this piece around connecting with the numinous felt very present and um yeah i I, i'm just really curious more about that i'm not really sure if i have questions but it feels like there's something to explore there and particularly i know that your work is you know you're deeply called on a heart level to uh serve and center the lgbtq plus community and i think you know it's just so cool jeff like over the years having these people who either come up to me for readings or are in my student container and was telling me about how you were their first ever astrology reader. Oh, really? Like, yeah. I, this oh, this cool. has been a pattern, actually. <laughs> At least like three or four people have come up with that story to me. And so I noticed it and it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to hear about your current exploration around that around the you know fixed water of the backdrop of our family life and belief systems and this maybe this transition from scorpio to sagittarius you know mm-hmm. mm. yeah what's coming up for you around the idea of working with family patterns and family trauma, family secrets, and how also, you know, as um, intuitive practitioners, a lot of us work with like the occult, right? We work with the unseen. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: don't know if you see any connection there or yeah, what Mm -hmm. comes up for you around that.
1: I mean, all of this, it's so watery, these topics. Mm -hmm. So I think that that, this serves as an opportunity for anyone listening to just even look at their chart and see what they have in water placements. Yeah, and I actually, I I went, I I got a drink with a friend last night, and they're not really into astrology. I actually don't really believe it, mm-hmm. which is why I, I always like hanging out with people like that because keeps me on my toes a little bit. Um, <laughs> but they were talking about I don't know how it came up, but we were talking about intergenerational trauma and also mm. like healing family dynamics i didn't bring it up they did but right now palace and black Moon Lilith are conjunct in cancer and i'm like this is so like relatable totally to this current transit but i know with this person that i can't use astrology as a vocabulary with them and that's okay mm-hmm. but in the back of my mind i know i'm like oh you're always so like cosmically aligned mm-hmm. and you don't have you don't you resist the vocabulary around it um they're oh. a libra uh, and very lo- like very logical Libra.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I'm bringing that up because I started sharing this um, story about a bucket of crabs mm. as a way to explain family dynamics. And of course, I'm like, a bucket of crabs, we're going into cancer already, and we're talking about family dynamics, how appropriate. Um, but essentially, like, if a bunch of crabs are in the bucket, mm-hmm. um, and one crab learns how to start pulling itself out, the other crabs will grab onto them and pull them back down. That there's this sort of like sabotaging that they do to each other, even though they could each probably get out on their own. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about that as a metaphor for like being in a family dynamic and being in these patterns and trying to get out, but getting pulled back into the patterns. Right. Um, So I'm bringing that image to mind, um, for us to just consider, um, But yeah, the watery regions, it's the cancer energy is, you know, the things that we do in our own family dynamics. And Scorpio Mm -hmm. would carry us into our more intimate relationships. And when you're in a relationship with someone sexually, romantically, then you also have that opportunity to project family dynamics onto them. Mm -hmm. And then Pisces would be more of the spiritual connection or the psychic love, the collective love, the collective traumas that we're moving through. Mm. So when there's a lot of planets and water in our charter and transits, then we have the opportunity to really delve into these topics. And this is why I love astrology so much is because it's a practice that allows us to connect to all of the themes of life. And I haven't encountered any other practice except maybe the tarot that does this, Mm. where we get to acknowledge psychological healing Mm. and astrology while at the same time it's practical there's the earth signs and it inspires us to work and to make money and to build a life that supports us Mm -hmm. while at the same time it creates dialogue around the fire and so we can talk about things that make us laugh and things that we're creating and what lights us up and then we have the air element which is about vocabulary that we use mm-hmm. and what it means to be a citizen of a society and contribute in ways that are uplifting other people through our thoughts and ideas and our collaboration. so astrology is just this tool that does not bypass any theme of life whereas like growing up in a christian family it's kind of like all fire mm. and it's like there's no acknowledgement of the emotion of the abuse in the family we're bypassing mm-hmm. it with fire mm-hmm. um, but astrology says no we all have an eighth house we all yeah. have water somewhere in our chart and so mm-hmm. that's it's it is actually a very like holistic lens of viewing the world that we live in mm. and i think that was always something that for me as someone with a degree in psychology i always kind of missing the magical side of the practice or you know for someone who's studying business maybe they're all in earth and needs to learn how to incorporate some fire so that they're yeah. getting some joy out of what they're doing right um, but this is kind of kind of like just flowing with the conversation mm-hmm. um i love that right story. now with so much in water it, there is a lot of opportunity for us to do more of the emotional healing hmm
0: yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely i think also um this is a nice segue to what I originally wanted to talk to you about, which is this idea of devotion, because it feels to me that part of what I feel on a felt sense from your work is your ability and your desire to show up in a very devoted way, you know, with your podcast showing up, you know, every new and full moon. Um, and also, yeah, like in your, in your um, fool's journey, for example, um, th- there's such a beautiful centering of like really checking in with like all the different ways that we engage with this work, right? It's not just intellectual, it's not just emotional, but there's the spirit part of us, there's the body part of us. And to me, I don't know, I'm really feeling your um, Virgo moon shine shining brightly here, that you're really mm. showing up to that craft, you know, and that... There's a certain trust of how the craft will carry us through this, whatever it is that we're moving through, right? Be that the fiery or the watery realm. Um, I'm curious to hear in your journey now, you've been doing this for a while, what have you learned about kind of the waxing and waning um, of our relationship to our practice and the role of ritual and devotion? What's coming up for you around that? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you sent me a list of like really deep questions to prepare for this conversation. And one of them was around this idea of devotion. What does devotion mean to me? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, wow, this could be an essay. Like this is such like a great question. And so I found myself like they were actually all felt like tarot prompts. So Mm -hmm. I actually pulled cards for all the questions that you sent me just to spark some dialogue within myself. Yeah. Um, And for the question, what does devotion mean to me? I pulled the Knight of Pentacles, mm. which felt pretty right on for me. And I think, you know, you were highlighting my Virgo moon and the Knight of Pentacles. I usually associate with Capricorn. I also have Venus and Capricorn. Um, but yeah, there is this devotion to me is the coming together of body, mind, and spirit mm. through some sort of intentional effort, mm-hmm. some sort of directed focus, and it there does feel devotion it's like earthy and fiery at the same time like there's a sense mm-hmm. of passion mm-hmm. like one's passion and love for this planet that we live on um and putting in work towards mm-hmm. that passion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there's sort of this like conscious awareness of being a spiritual being having a human experience yeah i think is also present with devotion
0: mm-hmm.
1: And it's once we have that conscious awareness of being a spiritual being here on this planet, then we can no longer deny that. And so if we're engaging with something that is not honoring the spiritual side of ourself, then for me, it's, I've always felt like I might implode. And so mm. when I began to become more conscious uh, of spirit, everything that I do now is a devotion you know, taking care of my body every day. And so when I'm saying the coming together of body, mind and spirit, it's a devotional practice to tend to my body every day. Mm
0: -hmm. And sometimes
1: that's a fiery practice. Sometimes that's restorative, Mm. depending on what my needs are. And so the devotion's always there, but it's changing. So um, finding ways to consistently direct that, awareness that conscious awareness towards whatever it is that i am creating to also help other people mm-hmm. be on this planet and to mm-hmm. heal and um it feels like devotion also feels like an act of gratitude mm. for for this experience that we have uh, towards this human experience an act of gratitude towards spirit our for spirit um and so I do consider myself and my work to be very devotional. And so getting the Knight of Pentacles is highlighting the work, but it doesn't have to be work. You know, I also, you know, we often use the word devotional for Virgo, I think. Mm. Um, But I think all 12 astrological signs hold the potential to be devotional. And I think even meditating on that word devotion through the lens of each of the 12 signs can show the many mm. different ways that devotion might come forward. You know, we can be devotional to, um, ourself Aries, you mm, know, mm. and I do have Vesta and Aries in my chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Vesta, the asteroid could be another place we look in our chart to give us some vocabulary and insight into devotion in our life for yeah. sure. Yeah. And Vesta now that I think about it is, both fiery and earthy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which we were talking about there's something in devotion that is built tending to the earth realm while also having some sort of fire behind it too and that's vesta
0: totally his hearth and home totally like, yeah yeah what's your relationship with vesta these days
1: um well interesting you should ask because vesta's an aquarius right on my son <laughs> yeah that only happens every four and a half years. Uh-huh. So Saturn and Vesta have been hanging out in Aquarius the past few months. And it, Saturn and Vesta are, I think Vesta is like at the same degree as my son today.
0: Mm. Wow. So I
1: am, I am developing a relationship to that archetype. Um, lighting candles is like just a simple act of devotion that we can do every day mm-hmm. to um, recenter ourselves, And, you know, that candle holds space. And I think this is Vesta, Vestal. Um, you know, how does the energy of your room shift when you light a candle? Um, it can help focus the energy It Mm -hmm. creates a sense of reverence. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, but Vesta is also, i sexual too. It's a side that we don't really talk about with Vesta Mm -hmm. too often. Um, and Vesta has this sense of, I think of Vesta's also being athletic.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I, like, I think of um, someone that has, I believe they have the sun conjunct Vesta and their birth chart is Serena Williams. Oh, wow. And I think of like holding the torch as like a symbol of Vesta, like the keeper of the flame. And so someone that is devoting their body to spirit. So mm-hmm. like Olympic athletes have that kind of Vesta feel, like just to give us like a way to connect in with it. But someone who's waking up at sunrise and going to the gym, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is that's also Vestal. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so connected to the home. Mm-hmm. It could be the body as the home, but treating the body as a temple is like kind of that Vestal principle, exactly. but also treating the mind as one too mm. so for someone that has like vesta and an air sign it might be more mental For someone with vesta and a fire sign it might be more like athletic
0: mm. but mm. i love that i feel like what you're bringing forth here is the idea that you know devotion is expansive, and also you know devotion as a pathway to mm, yeah, like honoring the fact that we are here as humans and that we're also spirits, you know? And what does it mean to um, connect the body and the spirit, you know? And maybe devotion is the act of connecting the two because there's the part of us that's the spirit part and then there's the part of us that's the body part. And they're not always incongruence, but they can always have a communication. Yeah, Um I I feel like this idea of devotion is, um, activating too. Like there's something you were mentioning about the fiery part of devotion. And I think, you know, even this was part of my experience in being, um, in your Fool's Journey, uh, cohort this year, which was, um, fashioned or or kind of facilitated as a um, self-guided journey this year or like we were Mm -hmm. all kind of in our own pilgrimage that there is a resistance to it you know that especially when we are um, not in I mean we are in community but maybe we don't see the people who we're in community with there can be a sense of resistance you know towards showing up each week so I'm curious to hear you know in your practice um, how have you worked with that? Because you know our practice, both publicly and personally, are always subject to this like waxing and waning, right? There are times mm-hmm. when we feel really connected to it and we really want to show up, and then other times when we're like, you know i'm I'm kind of done with this. <laughs> yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, when you say this are you referring to like an astrology practice or to the devotional practices or?
0: Mm. For me personally, I feel like sometimes, hmm, in my own astrology learning journey, I continue to experience um, like being put in that spiral, right? Where like, Mm -hmm. you know, just when I look back, it's very obvious that, periods of stasis and frustration Mm -hmm. always lead to deeper understanding. Mm -hmm. But it is a matter of working through those periods because when those periods come, you don't know that you're going to break through, you know?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't know if that's also part of your experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've gone through periods where I've had to take breaks from Mm. certain practices Mm -hmm. And I think that that's also like devotion does not have to be the same every day Mm. and trusting and listening to your intuition and what your body needs or what spirit needs in a given moment, I think Mm -hmm. is important. I think that there might be, um, there's no right or wrong way to be devotional.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so if you're putting yourself in a box of showing up every day to the same practice, there are benefits to that. I've experienced that and kind of pushing through that resistance. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you decide that you want to commit to like a physical yoga practice for 30 days, there's going to be days that you don't want to show up to that practice for sure. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the practice, you will likely feel a sense of relief and accomplishment through that. Yeah. And so, you know, I think devotion devotional practices can you can challenge yourself sometimes you know like what would it be like who am i if i decide i want to do a year of sobriety as a Mm. devotional practice Mm. there's going to be likely a lot of resistance around that for some people
0: and Mm -hmm. others
1: it might come more easily and so just kind of noting you know what a commitment or a practice brings up for you uh, helps you to get more clear on who you are and what your truth is mm. and so for some people doing a self-guided fool's journey um could feel really easeful and flowing and for others it might feel like a chore mm-hmm. and really sitting with that and saying well maybe devotional practices are less about my own journey and more about the community aspect of it. Mm. So I'm devotional and community with other people. And so it's all a learning opportunity. I think when we're engaging in different devotional practices to see which ones resonate the most with us and also they can change throughout our lifetime there have been times where I really need to be in spiritual community with other people. Mm. There's also times where I'm like, now's the time where I really need to be on my own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I I love that reframing around. Hmm, what I was really feeling as you were speaking was to give ourselves the permission to to see how we want to be devoted at a particular moment in our lives because you know as you mentioned earlier there can be a a shift in how we want to show up in devotion and that part of that has to do with attuning as well to what's present at the moment you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always align necessarily with our logical mind and i think maybe that's part of the challenge you know that We have this idea that devotion has to be prescribed, but Mm -hmm. maybe it's not the case. Mm.
1: And and being gentle with the process, I think is so important Mm. that if you're not feeling like you want to be devotional at all, then (laughs) take some time off. Yeah. You deserve it. Yeah. We all do. Mm -hmm. That your very act of existence is a devotional
0: act. Mm -hmm. It can be. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I'm curious if anything's coming up for you around specifically astrology and tarot, and how they can help us cultivate deepen our sense of um, what it means to work with devotion. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you asked me this question, I think, too, beforehand. Mm-hmm. So let's. Let me remind myself what card I pulled here. Yeah. 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 So how can astrology and tarot assist us in cultivating and deepening a sense of devotion in our spiritual practice? Mm -hmm. I mean, these are all such great questions for us to be reflecting on. (laughs) Uh, I pulled um, the five of pentacles. which shows I'm using the modern witch tarot, Mm. which shows two people in coats like bundled up in the freezing snow and they're outside of a, like a church or sanctuary. So I was like, this is an interesting card to receive here, but how can astrology and tarot assist us in our devotion or spiritual practices and then getting this one. And I'm seeing these people outside of a church.
0: Mm.
1: So it sort of, it reminds me that astrology and tarot are places of belonging for marginalized communities. Mm. And they are practices that I think transcend religious doctrine in many ways. I mean, they do, there are some many religious symbols like baked into the tarot and even astrology. But we as the collective have been empowering ourselves to upgrade the archetypes so that they, you know, I mean, this is the modern witch tarot, but also there's a lot of queer decks that are being created right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I have found that the people that I work with, with tarot and astrology are, you know, often part of marginalized communities not always but it does it it doesn't deny anyone a seat at the table they're they're tools for connecting to spirit regardless of what your spiritual beliefs are we could have completely different spiritual beliefs but we can still uh talk about life through these tools mm. and i think that that's so unique as a practice both astrology and tarot that it really doesn't matter what your worldview is or your religious views are these are practices that can bring us together to have further dialogue we're likely going to resonate with the people that share similar worldviews as us when they're using this tool Mm. but i think that that's also something just important to remember too is that um just because someone's practicing astrology doesn't mean that they share a similar vision of the future um, as you yeah um but, yeah, I I do. There's something in this card, though. Like, when I saw that, it's like, this is what's been really important to me is someone who never felt accepted by the religion that I grew up with.
0: Mm.
1: And both astrology and tarot offered me a place to connect a spirit that wasn't dictated by some doctrine, you know?
0: Oh, uh, yes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm so it's given me permission to be to find a way to channel my devotional nature uh, and to trust in my own power to do so mm. and to create rituals that are in alignment with me. Mm-hmm. I think they they do inspire us to have mm-hmm. our own personal connection to the divine
0: yeah, yeah. As you're speaking, I'm just kind of marveling at the flexibility of, you know, tools and practices like tarot and astrology, because there's something about them that is so, um, so open, you know, and and I think it's, it's fascinating because this is something that's come up in um, my teaching container quite a bit around the idea of centering the spirit of astrology you know thinking about when we survey the uh, history of astrology and how astrology in the west you know has its ups and downs you know how it went in vogue and then was out of trend or was maybe banned from being used by people how Mm -hmm. there's also in the the shifting the transformation of the significations, right, of the planets or the signs or the houses, that the spirit of astrology also has agency and intelligence, right? Mm. And the same thing with tarot. In in the evolution of these practices, they actually reflect back to us our concerns as humans in that moment. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool, and there's space for that, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love the way that you word that. And it's, I mean, it's always really cool to just see cards as they're evolving throughout time. Mm -hmm. The one that's coming to mind right now is the strength card, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which its earliest depiction shows a man that's like beating a lion with a club.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's evolved Mm -hmm. into this much more peaceful union between animal and and human Mm -hmm. and the lover's card also too. Has evolved a lot. And now mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the modern depictions show someone looking at themselves in the mirror.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I remember um, reading this because the strength card, as you know, is one that I'm deeply connected with um, for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read you back something that I um, read from. The fool's journey actually from that gorgeous document that you shared with us um you wrote it's here that we learn to drop into the heart honoring our emotion and intuition with tenderness and compassion strength connects us to our inner child to our beloved pets and to the discipline of adult responsibility strength reminds us that our emotions sexuality and creativity are not something to be ashamed afraid or guilty of but rather, when we can really be present with whatever emotion or desire is arising, without judgment, we find ourselves cradling our soul's calling. Mm. That just, I read I mean, that. Yeah, I got really emotional <laughs> just reading that. Because oh. it feels so pertinent. And it's interesting, Jeff. I feel like throughout this conversation, we've been traversing different archetypes. But I'm seeing that the pattern that's emerging is kind of this wildness of our soul's mm-hmm. calling and how to honor that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how devotion is really a a vehicle for us to honor our truth you know mm-hmm. which is ever evolving but also is whole and intact in its in its form you know and in, and in, in how um yeah like the isness of our truth is not something that we necessarily always see the whole picture but Mm -hmm. it's a felt sense you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it's exciting i'm getting excited for us in the new year Mm. i think that there's things shifting into some fire signs Mm. um, from all this water yeah and i'm looking forward to that yeah (laughs) yeah i am
0: yeah um Mm -hmm. Something I also want to bring into the conversation is I noticed that being in your container and and having learned from you in various formats you always have this beautiful way of marrying the um like the ritual aspect as well as the intellectual studies and kind of you know doing a very com- comprehensive survey that's not overwhelming it's how I would put it you know it feels really exciting like for example you were you were sharing about this evolution of this how the strength card is depicted and there's a way in which you share that that feels really relatable and grounded and grounding Mm. and i'm curious to hear you know as someone as someone who who has experience you know more intuitive training and then also You know, deepened my studies in something like tarot or astrology. Sometimes I feel like a lot of the materials to learn these systems, these models of existence, right, like tarot and astrology, can feel so intellectual and brainy. Mm -hmm. But that that's not the problem in and of itself, right? The problem is that there's maybe like there's a lack of connection between that intellectual side and maybe more feeling it in in our being you know Mm -hmm. and i'm curious to hear um what roles have um ritual and also these deeper intellectual studies played in your own journey as well as the journey of your students Mm.
1: I'm sensing so much of Pisces coming through mm. with this question. Mm. Um, and I appreciate that as someone with Mercury and Pisces, Jupiter and Pisces, that um, uh, we can maybe look at astrology as Aquarian. Mm. It offers us an objective perspective, which we can recognize patterns and, get to know energy and vibrations and things like that. Um, while Pisces is what's behind the veil mm-hmm. um, and Pisces connects us to more of that feeling state that I think you're, you're tapping into this, the spirit of it all. Yeah. And so intellectual studies help us help attune us to, to that truth mm-hmm. of spirit
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um Without Aquarius, we cannot bring um, voice and name the Piscean truths of the mm-hmm. unknown. Mm-hmm. So, even tarot uh, at times can feel quite Aquarian to me, too. Think of Pamela Coleman Smith as an Aquarius. A lot of Aquarian, like uh, the fifth spirit tarot, is created by Charlie Burgess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is also an Aquarius. I, just, I, I think Aquarians are attuned to archetypes because they're a language that um, brings about more of a collective awareness. Pisces is also interested in this too as the collective water sign, um, but maybe Aquarius is more of that attunement to the intellectual side. Mm-hmm. And so intellectual studies help to attune us to truth so that we can recognize and perceive the patterns And they help offer us vocabulary so we can begin to attempt to bring voice to the mystical unknown,
0: Yeah, um,
1: which is impossible to do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we can strive for that. Um, And so this helps us in our own life and also in relationship to others. But there's a balance. I mean, you know, it's like intellectual studies can also block us off from deepening our connection to the unknown at the Mm -hmm. same time Mm -hmm. where you know before i decide if i want to take this trip i'm looking at all the transits to make sure it all lines up it's like actually (laughs) what if you just let go and surrender to the unknown and let it flow right um so there's a balance with it always Mm -hmm. you know we can start to compartmentalize our trauma yeah uh, instead of actually feeling something when it's sad it's like Mm -hmm. um someone passes away and then all of a sudden you're looking at their charts to see, Oh my gosh, what was Pluto is transiting their sun," mm. And now I'm studying this person's life and the passing of them instead of actually feeling the grief of them passing. Yeah. So yeah. there can be like over intellectualization that these practices create. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah. it is always important to remind us to, um, uh, To be pulled in by that desire to communicate about the unknown, while also allowing ourselves to experience it, it too. Mm-hmm. I love and that, that we don't have to know all the answers, and that we don't actually know all the answers. None of us do.
0: We can never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's
1: important to check myself always as a teacher, is to remind people of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you do that so beautifully in in your classes. And I think there's also a balance, right? That as facilitators, we can step into of like, yeah, we can know these things, you know, using tools like tarot and astrology. And also we'll never know the the entirety of reality despite studying all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. I think you were bringing forth some really interesting points um, around... That, that's kind of, you know, this is a, a conversation that I've had in my community um, recently around how astrology can become this really powerful buffer and also tarot between us and our and the directness or kind of the rawness of our experience, right? And that part of what's so incredible about astrology is that astrology helps us um Project our experiences onto some other thing that, you know, whether that's a sign or the planets or our chart Mm -hmm. to then be able to assess, you know, the situation with maybe more distance, which hopefully then gives more clarity. But as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, it's also um, the challenge in working with modalities like this is that there are times when maybe the most healing thing is just to cry. Right, mm-hmm. the most healing thing is just to feel the largeness of our emotions and not to run away. Not that astrology is running away, but but that not not to use the praxis, the practices to um, hide from the the rawness of our human experience. Mm-hmm. And also, something that I've been thinking a lot about for myself too is that. I've sometimes experienced this you know obsessive desire to learn is often correlated for me personally as a Gemini moon to not wanting to be in the gnarliness of the human experience. Like I'd oh. rather just continue studying because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's easy and I'm good at it mm-hmm. rather than like really be in the rawness of that. So um yeah, thank yeah. you for bringing that point forward. Mm-hmm.
1: And life will present you opportunities where you start to realize that you have to learn other things than intellectual pursuits. Yeah. Like maybe a relationship starts to deteriorate because you haven't allowed yourself to fully be present mm-hmm. emotionally in that mm-hmm. relationship. And, you know, I, there, there's times where we start to learn that we have, we can't always be intellectualizing and we have to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're talking about the, the rawness, or the, I think you said like the rawness of this human experience,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think you said something like that. Mm-hmm. It's reminding me of the strength card.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's reminding me of Leo as a polar sign to Aquarius, um, which what would it feel like for us to sit down and talk with each other and not have astrology and tarot? Mm. as a buffer
0: Mm -hmm.
1: to the conversation Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and not to all already have in the rolodex of my aquarian virgo moon brain that you're pisces with a gemini moon and a virgo rising you know (laughs) like i know your chart Um, how might i experience our interaction if i allowed all of that to just dissolve
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and Mm -hmm. i think that leo does teach aquarius that kind of Rawness and that presence of being just primal with whatever's coming up in this moment. Wow. That, yes, I'm offering Aquarian truth, saying, Oh, Jupiter's in Pisces for the next two months. But mm-hmm. if you don't feel that going on in your life, then let it go. And there's times in your life where that might serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very aware that, you know, even my offering, sometimes people tap into it when they need it.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: also, like to live in that Aquarian cosmic cousin's bubble at all times isn't always helpful, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It is my offering as an Aquarius. But um, you know, I'm going to a comedy show this week with a friend, yeah. And that's I need to do those things, right, to balance right. myself. Right. So that's some of the Leo coming in. But yeah, I'm, I'm always curious about that of how how we can engage with each other in ways that might be maybe a little bit more playful
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: less intellectual. I think it would be fun at some point in our life to get together and play like a board game instead of talking astrology and just see like what that feels like, you know? (laughs) Totally.
0: Um, Yeah. yeah. Or simply, you know, just, I don't know, go to a restaurant, you know, whenever you're in Brooklyn and then we, you know, yeah, we, we try a new cuisine and we just Mm -hmm. talk about that, you know? but but i think this is a really interesting um conversation to me at this moment at least i've been um recently meeting up more irl with people that i've met through this community and Mm -hmm. it's it's so fascinating like what happens when we meet in person because Mm -hmm. there is kind of a period of adjustment of like wow you have legs you know you are actually a human (laughs) being you know especially because for me a lot of my community members that I've become really good friends with over the past couple of years have happened during the pandemic and we haven't had yeah. a chance to get to know each other in mm-hmm. in real life. But that, you know, then there's a different way. Like what I'm noticing is that there's a different way that we talk about these practices, these mystical traditions when we're face to face. When we're in the context of, I don't know, getting dinner, right? Really loud music and talking about Leo. <laughs> like it's different than than this more clinical, um, sterile format of Zoom, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's been a very Aquarian few years, you know, having Saturn in Aquarius. Totally. And I think that we, and Jupiter was in Aquarius too. Mm-hmm. We, I think we'll be feeling some shifts and we'll look back at this time and be like, whoa, We're all talking over Zoom that whole time Saturn was in Aquarius. Yes. Um, But that's also felt appropriate, I
0: Mm -hmm. think, Mm -hmm.
1: with everything going on
0: collectively. Totally.
1: Um, But also Pluto enters Aquarius next year. Mm -hmm. So we're also in this energy for the next 20 to 25 years of Pluto in Aquarius too. So um, and maybe the conversations will get even more in depth with it being mm-hmm. pluto and the sign of aquarius yeah um yeah but saturn will move into pisces and in march and mm. so there will be shifting energies and maybe there will be less zoom calls maybe at that time mm-hmm. perhaps
0: mm-hmm. yeah but it,
1: i mean it feels very aquarian <laughs> like when you're saying like the sterile environment i mean we love aquarius but it also can be a sterile energy i think Definitely. It's scientific and distant. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But
1: that expands our heart too. Yeah. Now I can have a conversation with someone intimately Mm -hmm. that lives in Brooklyn while I'm in Portland. You know, like it does, it is humanitarian. Yeah. We're connected around the globe now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that brings us to a nice um, point or a nice transition point into, you know, I'm curious, we're we're talking now, um, as you mentioned, today's 11-11, 2022. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're wrapping up the year and just on a felt sense, I really feel the wrapping up of the year this year. And I feel, you know, you also had mentioned that we are kind of moving away from this more water energy, maybe into the fiery energy. And, you know, the holiday season is always kind of a portal, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of us have to go through the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Many of us who are in the LGBTQ community have to um, work with the complexity, you know, of, you everything that the holiday season is bringing forward. So Mm. I'm curious if you have any guidance, whether that's maybe through the astrology or through tarot that you want to share.
1: For people that might be Going to see family over the holidays,
0: yeah. And also, I think you know that the end of the year is intense in general, right? Because we've created this construct where, okay, the year is ending. What did I do in twenty twenty two? You (laughs) know, or maybe for some others, it's the the exact opposite experience where it's like, wow, so much has shifted, and like I don't even know who I am anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, I for me, something that I always come back to if I choose to visit family particularly during the holidays mm. um is noticing my tendencies towards overcompensating
0: mm.
1: um overcompensating and also shifting who i am to fit the needs of other people mm. so that there's just ease mm. And so, like, maybe I take that earring out. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I wear long sleeves to cover up the tattoos. Um, you know, that, and just kind of noticing the ways that you might um, deny yourself to create ease and mm-hmm. trusting that you can show up fully as yourself and you owe that to yourself to show up embodied as the person that you are and evolving to be, and to, to be proud of yourself
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: for exactly who you are. You are enough in this moment. There's no amount of like gifts that you can bring home or accolades that will ever, um, be enough sometimes for family.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, you know, you know, for people who are more airy, having affirmations, Mm -hmm. like, I am enough and like coming back home to that affirmation, Mm. I think could be really great. Um, Having people that you can connect in with that reflect back to your truth can be really helpful. Maybe even just like setting up a buddy Mm. that you're like, Hey, I'm going to be going home Mm -hmm. by myself. I don't have anyone with me and I just need to check in with someone yeah, that's something that we could do. These are all things that I've done, you know. Um, I bring certain stones home with me. Mm. Um, that um, one of them is, is chaste which is a stone that I think it's petrified wood, and it has a cross on it. It's supposed to dispel like um, judgment of Christianity, mm-hmm. and I've taken it home with me every time I've gone home. Um, so for those who are more earthy it might actually be like having like talisman physical things that we can carry that remind us of these things
0: mm. i love um, that suggestion i
1: mean there's a lot that you could do you could also set really clear boundaries and not go home and <laughs> and be with your chosen family and that's True. okay too mm-hmm. and if you're choosing to do that um i do think it's important to communicate that mm. so that, that Can you know, so passive aggressive tendencies don't come forward, yeah? You know, of like, do you not love us anymore, or like whatever it is, and just say, No, I really need to take care of myself Mm. right now. It's been a a rough few years, and if I choose to come home to visit you right now, I won't have the money I need to take care of myself and go on a vacation this year, which I really deserve. You know, I don't know, there's so many. Ways that, I don't know what scenarios we're moving through, but I'm kind of talking from a personal experience. I'm not going home to see family Mm. at all. Mm. And I'm giving myself permission to not feel guilty because of that, Mm -hmm. but that I really need to take care of myself first. Yeah. Jupiter enters Aries um, on the winter solstice Mm. this year. And so there is this we're at the end of some epic cycle with jupiter and pisces and we're starting for good the new cycle jupiter entered aries earlier this year but uh, there is a shift into the individual path mm-hmm. uh, right at the solstice this year mm-hmm. and we, we start with the capricorn new moon there in the first few days of capricorn season two um
0: yeah those are just some
1: like little fun tips I love for engaging with family yeah
0: i love that thank you for that Mm. Hmm. as we wind to a close i feel like i can talk with you forever jeff (laughs) and maybe we will um but i'm curious to hear if you have any offerings you're excited about that you want to share with folks how people can find you and Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah um my offering that is of service to the community and as a free offering is I'm continuing to release podcast episodes on the new and the full moon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something that is always there for you, for your own ritual and just connection. And I plan to always have something that is available to all people, um, regardless of income and things like that, that's important Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's still there. Um, my work is shifting a bit and I'm primarily doing one-on-one work. I have shifted from holding space in community groups to one-on-one because I have a desire to go really deep with people like clients and students who are wanting to deepen their connection to tools like astrology and tarot through a trauma-informed approach Mm. and through, um, somatic practices to bring about greater psychological healing spiritual healing through these practices um so i'm i've offered one-on-one mentorships for the last year that are six months but i am opening up space for one and two year commitments with people one-on-one i'm just feeling um that's how my practice is evolving and um it's an honor and a joy for me to connect with people in this in-depth way and everyone's coming with their own unique needs you know i work with people who are therapists themselves and are wanting to bring astrology and tarot into their practice Mm. work with creatives who are working on films and maybe are dancers and incorporating archetypes into their practice Mm -hmm. work with people who want to be astrologers themselves Um, there's so many different ways that you can work with this tool these tools and yeah so that's and then i also am um planning on in the new year releasing more specific offerings to navigate larger transits like i know i'm going to be releasing a workshop download on saturn and pisces Mm. and that will include tarot spreads and meditations and different practices to help those who might be coming up on their Saturn return or for those who have sun moon arising in Pisces. And this will definitely be an initiation for those folks who have a lot of Piscean energy mm-hmm. over the next few years as Saturn's and Pisces with Neptune and mm-hmm. Pisces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I will be having other offerings coming out too. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if the one-on-one work doesn't call to you at this time, there will still be like little workshops and things that I'll be releasing. Cool. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Jeff. I have one last question for you, which is the name of this project is healing the spirit. And I'm curious to hear what's coming up for you when you hear that phrase healing the spirit with regards to anything, really any visuals that come up, any, Memories, any um, advice, um, challenges, limitations you perceive, anything. Uh, what came through is, um, I
1: a visual that I had. I had this experience too. I was. I used to work at a yoga retreat center mm. um, as the trash man, the composter. Uh, that's when I launched the podcast. This was, I was living in Hawaii for a year and I did a permaculture program. And one of the people that I met when I was living there, her job in the retreat center was to gather all the flowers and to make bouquets and make like kind of like mandala altars in Mm -hmm. different places. And she would make lays and just, you know, she was working with the flowers all day. Um, So that image came through when you said Uh, the name of the podcast. Mm.
0: Um,
1: And I think it's because she's very devotional. She's actually a Virgo uh, with an Aries moon. And before we started recording, we were kind of started talking about Virgo and Aries a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's that like kind of fiery devotion that she had when she was doing it, but it was still very Virgoan. And um, she would sing while she's gathering the flowers all day. And so I shadowed her one day and she was like, this is part of my process. I sing all day when I'm gathering the flowers. And so um, one of the songs that she taught me came through when you said the name Mm. of the podcast. Mm. And I won't sing the whole song, but the phrase that came through was healing our body, body, mind, and spirit, spirit of the water, come wash over our hearts. Mm. And it felt like it wanted to come through in song when I connect to the name and the vibration of the podcast. Mm. So I'm curious, do you incorporate your music and song into the podcast?
0: I do. Um I wrote the the theme music for the yeah, podcast I so. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I'll I'll think we would all love to hear you sing more too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I um I've been deep in this really interesting period and I feel myself coming out of it. Maybe also with this, you know, Jupiter actually entering uh, Aries. Mm-hmm. I've spent the past couple of years um, really working on my voice on a very technical level. But I think mm-hmm. it's, it's really, I'm, I'm starting to feel it wanting to like be applied you know, into like material and to start writing songs again. It it's been interesting because writing songs have been not coming through with the pandemic. And I think it's probably because I've been writing songs. Um I, I usually write songs on the go. I write on the subway. I write when I'm walking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's less of that. Like there's more just kind of sitting down. You yeah. know in the past I'm couple the years. Same way. Mm-hmm.
1: i haven't written any songs in the last few years
0: mm. i'd love to hear I'm some curious, of your songs i'm
1: curious what saturn and pisces is going to bring
0: us yeah yeah i mean it's going to be on my on my son so you know that's going to be really interesting too and on my uh ascendant ruler so let's see
1: it, uh, i mean it feels like there could be obstacles around music but also when you're talking about materializing mm-hmm. like actually like releasing something like an album or you know like it all yeah. that also feels like saturn and pisces mm-hmm. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah 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 but i love i love the music to the podcast thank it you immediately puts you at ease
0: mm. Mm.
1: and i think that that's also what um it brings up for me healing the spirit does make me want to sing
0: mm. I love that. Thank you, John. Yeah. <laughs> <It does. laughs> I really love that. It feels like such a gift to mm-hmm. be in conversation with you and to hear you sing. So thank you. Thank you. that's it for my conversation with Jeff thank you for listening I hope that you enjoyed this conversation that you perhaps received something from it or learned something from it or you found something helpful Um, it was truly a joy and a privilege to be connected with Jeff and um, if you resonate with their voice I would encourage you to find Jeff's podcast cosmic cousins, um, or to also, um, check out their offerings, maybe work with them one-on-one or, um, sign up for one of their, um, self-guided workshops, which are always, always amazing. And there's so much great content, um, I always feel so blessed in working with Jeff's offerings. So all of the the links will be on the show notes below. And if you have been enjoying Healing the Spirit, if you have been enjoying this episode, I would love it if you could leave a review. Um, I believe the only platform that allows written review at this point is Apple Podcasts. So um, if you could find this podcast on apple Podcasts and leave a review there that would be super helpful in helping other people find this podcast Um, truly it doesn't have to be long like literally the review can be one or two sentences and that's totally sufficient. I mean, if you want to leave a longer review, I am totally welcoming that, but it's not necessary because um, really the point is to encourage others to listen to this podcast and to perhaps enjoy the conversations, enjoy um, the transmissions that I'm sharing. And my hope is that it will serve you in one form or another. Thank you again for being here. I am excited for Um, the next time that we get to connect whenever that may be and until then i am sending you so much love and i thank you for listening